This is season one of Betting On It, an eight episode series where we follow one betting industry startup on its journey to raise seed capital. Betting On It is brought to you by GeoComply, who provides fraud prevention and cybersecurity solutions that detect location fraud and help verify a user's true digital identity. Trusted by leading brands and regulators for the past 10 years, their geolocation solutions are installed on over 400 million devices and analyze over a billion transactions every month. To learn more, visit www.geocomply.com. All right, it has all been building to this and the wait is finally over. We're here enrolling with the eighth and final episode in season one of Betting On It, which I have to admit has been a pretty fun experiment so far for me. Anybody that listened to episode one of this series might remember me talking about how I had no idea how the concept would be received. So it's been really encouraging to read the positive comments and hear the nice feedback from many of you through the first seven episodes. And speaking of the first seven episodes, we've covered a lot of ground in them and have gone deep on a number of important topics, including financial modeling, crowdfunding, product marketing, gamification, and the human side of the founder journey. We've also had some awesome guests join us along the way to lend their expertise on these topics, and I'd like to extend my thanks and appreciation to each of them. But that's all said and done, and now there's nothing left to do but listen to Drew and Sahil present the Bets Booster opportunity to three industry investors whom I will introduce in just a moment here. But first, I'd like to extend my appreciation to Drew and Sahil for being proverbial guinea pigs with this series. It's not easy to put yourself out there like they have, nor is it easy to be the subject of the level of constructive scrutiny that they're about to receive. But that's also why they signed up for this journey. So here we are. Guys, welcome to the final episode. How are you both feeling here going into it? Marvelous. Ready to go. (laughs) Cool. Well, I'll turn the controls over to you both in just a moment. But first, I want to introduce our all-star panel of industry investors that have kindly agreed to join us today. First up, I'd like to welcome Peter Hannigan, who's a senior associate at Better Capital, which is an early stage venture firm focused on the real money online gaming opportunity. I know Peter to be one of the hardest working investors in this space, which means he's seen it all. So I'm excited to hear his thoughts on Bets Booster. Peter, welcome to the big finale episode. How's everything on your end today? Thanks for having me, Jesse, and uh, excited for the rest of the episode. Awesome. Next up, I'm excited to welcome back a friend of the Betting Startups podcast who happens to be both a previous guest and a previous guest host. He also has the best pound-for-pound Zoom background that I've seen in the game, which any other Seinfeld fans would be sure to appreciate. Of course, I'm talking about Lloyd Danzig, managing partner of Sharp Alpha Advisors, which is a venture capital firm specializing in sports betting and online gaming. Lloyd, always great to have you with us, but it has been a little while. So how have you been keeping since we last caught up with you? You know, it's great to be here. The New York tri-state area had five teams in the NBA and NHL finals. And here we are with no teams remaining at this point. So a bit disappointed in that. Uh, But otherwise, the weather's good. I'm glad to be here. I love what you put together and I'm excited for the session. Awesome. And finally, I'm very excited to welcome our third investor, who I admit might not be the most obvious one at first glance, but I also admit that his was the first name I thought of for this episode when I was first conceiving of it. Marco Bluma spent over 15 years as trading director at Pinnacle Sports, six of which he was stuck with me as a colleague. And his role at Pinnacle means that he understands match betting and arbitrage at a scale most cannot even conceive of, which of course is very relevant to Bets Booster. Since leaving Pinnacle last year, Marco's been actively investing in a variety of early stage companies in the space, which of course includes a focus on esports, which comes as a surprise to absolutely nobody that knows Marco. Uh, it's been a little while since we last caught up, Marco. So how's everything going with you, my friend? Well, someone in Europe for, for once in a while, there's good weather here, so I'm quite excited about that. Yeah. And uh, let, let, let's see how the pitch is going. I'm actually uh, very interested in hearing the pitch now. 
Awesome. All right. Well, with the intros out of the way, let's quickly lay out the game plan here. Drew and Sawhill are going to take the next five to 10 minutes to present the Bets Booster opportunity. After their pitch concludes, we'll allow our three investors to ask questions to them to basically help with clarity and understanding of the pitch. And once the questions and answers are out of the way, we'll then ask each of our judges to share their perspective on the opportunity and provide their constructive feedback to Drew and Sawhill to help them move forward with Bets Booster. I hereby pass the baton to you, Drew and Sawhill. Okay, let's do it. So, as you all know, we're Bets Booster, and today we want to talk to you about our vision for gamifying arbitrage. As a quick intro, I want to highlight a few key facts about our team. We're a team of world-class software engineers, more on that later, and our advisors are experts in the gaming space. Now, as you all know, we're definitely not the first to try to bring arbitrage to the masses, but we are the first to try to gamify it. So we believe that the strength of our advisors' experience in this space is a huge asset. I'll do a quick recap for our listeners. You already know Jesse as the host of our podcast, but he's also the former CEO of BetSmart Media, which was acquired by Pinnacle, and he subsequently became director of product at Pinnacle. We also have John Gordon, the co-founder and CEO of Incentive Games, the leading free-to-play games provider to tier one operators. Colin Davey, the founder and CEO of BetScope, an innovative data science startup, which provides market-leading positive expected value data. And Yukai Chow, the number one gamification expert in the world, who literally wrote the book on gamification. It's called Actionable Gamification, if you're curious, and it sold well over 100,000 copies. And last, but definitely not least, the person whose idea and initial work created this entire product, Drew Tabor, our CEO, who was a four-time Guitar Hero world champion, and who in his spare time outside of gaming, worked as a software engineer at Oracle and Microsoft. So let me speak to the opportunity. Last year, about 63 million people in the U.S. bet on sports, and most of them did it quite poorly. In fact, only 0.03% of people use arbitrage software. And it makes sense why, because arbitrage just isn't for your everyday sports fan, at least not yet. For those of you listening, I want you to imagine your stereotypical sports fan. They've been tailgating for a few hours. They're riding a nice high, cheering on their team in the stadium. Their faces are painted, and they're wearing their favorite jersey. Do they seem like they want to crunch numbers all day with a zillion calculators, or do they want to just place a bet as soon as inspiration strikes? So what if all they had to do was just play a game? That's Bets Booster, gamified arbitrage. Our dream is to do what Tinder did for online dating and what Pokemon Go did for walking, but for sustainable sports betting. That means four things. One, lowering barriers to adoption. Two, having a mass market-friendly user experience. Three, having a clear and simple value proposition. And four, having a heavy emphasis on being mobile first. And so far, it's going great. Two relevant metrics from our pilot are that the average player earned $5,000 and our power users earned about $20,000 on average, all for just playing a game for a few minutes a day. Again, for those of you listening on the podcast, we're looking at slide seven, which has a graph titled Player Bankroll Over One Year of Playing Bets Booster. And these metrics are all from just the blue line at the bottom left of the graph. The rest of the graph shows how our upcoming features add even more value for our players. I also, by the way, want to just take a second here to highlight the magnitude of our technical achievement. We don't just have an idea. We have a fully functioning web app, as well as a scalable backend, which processes tens of thousands of bets to maximize our users' profits. Other betting tools focus on education. It's work. We, on the other hand, provide entertainment. Best Booster automates away the math so our players can focus on rooting for their teams and having fun, and the winning takes care of itself with zero number crunching for the end user. 
So let's zoom out and talk about some market trends that we're capitalizing upon. $83 billion were bet on sports last year in the US, and this is projected to almost double to $155 billion next year. Alongside that, the ongoing legalization of sports betting in the US, notably in huge states like California, Texas, and Florida, means that there are a ton more giant bonuses to jumpstart our players' earnings. We're also riding a wave of mobile-first apps, which are bringing previously niche activities to the masses, like Tinder, Robinhood, and Uber, all at the same time that the economy slows and the finance bros look for new lucrative side hustles. Now, we already discussed our incredible advisors, so let's talk about our engineering team. Between us, we have three current and former CTOs, as well as four entrepreneurs. On top of that, Drew, Hong, Warren, Kevin, and I have already worked together on a scaled distributed system, which was deployed to over 100 million websites and processed over a million transactions per second at peak. We're bringing all of that experience and world-class engineering expertise to building a game which helps sports fans make money betting rather than gambling. In other words, we are the team for this. In terms of our business model, we primarily make money using a subscription-based revenue model, but we also have two secondary revenue streams in the form of affiliates and content distribution. Now, let's talk about profitability. Similar services are priced at around the two to $300 a month price range. We're experimenting with different pricing models over the next few months, but even with our most conservative pricing model, we need just 250 customers before we become profitable. We're raising $500,000 to expand from our pilot, which is about 50 players, like we said, to the next 250 players. Some key milestones along the way, A, launch our native apps, B, bring on our key staff full-time, C, launch our product marketing partnerships, and D, actually reach profitability at 250 users, which is roughly $800,000 annual recurring revenue. One last thing, we're already registered as an affiliate and have two deals with operators in New Jersey, profit exchange and sport trade. On top of that, we've partnered with OddsJam to take our users to the pro level after they finish our game. Thanks very much for your time. Let's get to questions. All right. Thank you, Sawhill. Uh, floor is open. Marco, Lloyd, and Peter. Any questions for Sawhill and Drew to sort of help with the understanding of what you just heard there? Tell me a little bit about how, how the gamification actually works. I mean, I mean, as, as you said in the initial uh, introduction, this is not the first time somebody's trying to do it. So, so what's unique about that booster? So if you go back and listen to our podcast episode with you, Kai, we do a deep dive on gamification. I'll summarize it really quickly for you here. Uh, gamification is essentially engineering uh, customer behavior, put simply. So if we want to incentivize a particular action, the way you do that is by rewarding for it and making it super easy and lowering the barrier to entry. The example we go over in the podcast episode is for referring a friend because we're um, putting a lot of our eggs in the refer a friend basket for marketing. So essentially the way that works is we have a refer a friend button that's super easy, copies a link to your clipboard. Uh, our players get some sort of reward for sharing. Uh, sorry, let me take a step back. We can reward them internally, but also places like DraftKings, FanDuel, Barstool have refer a friend bonuses. So they're getting doubly incentivized there for referring a friend as an example. So th that sort of gamification principle you can apply to a lot of different aspects of the app to uh, incentivize and reward different user actions. Maybe to follow up on, on that question, just so that we or I understand properly, when you talk about playing your game, is that specifically referring to sort of the meta experience of being a user on the platform and, let's say, inviting other users? Or are you describing the process of placing bets also as 
part of your game? Uh, it'd be, I think it would be helpful to under, help us understand where does the game start and end? And is, is the bet placing process taking place on the platform or is that taking place externally? Yeah. So the bet placing itself is all external. We don't transact any money. We are a simple subscription service financially. Uh, so how familiar are you guys with Pokemon Go? I can use that as an example. Sure. Okay. So in Pokemon Go, you catch Pokemon, right? You walk around, a Pokemon appears, you throw your Pokeball, you catch it. So that's going to be sort of a parallel for our bet placement experience. Uh, arbitrage becomes available in the market. We surface it. We give a user a notification. They go into a nice tight, let's go say, 10-second user experience. They place their bets. And then they do that over and over and over. Like uh, one of the quests in Pokemon Go is catch 200 Pokemon in one day. So like that kind of volume is proofed out. Maybe we can have people that, you know, place 200 bets in a day and you get an achievement or something, right? And so then the rest of the experience is around like collecting and achievements. So maybe there's an achievement for win three parlays in a row or bet on your hometown team a hundred times or, you know, blah, 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 right? There's a vast expanse of collectibles we could add once the core stuff is built out. I'll jump in and add something there. Um, to directly answer your question about like, well, how exactly does the betting experience work? What happens is, and I just want to pause and say, we have a demo to show you guys if you're interested as well. But what happens is you get a notification, let's say that says, hey, we have an arbitrage opportunity available, right? And you click on that notification. We pop open the first Sportsbook app and our app, Bets Booster, is floating in a picture-in-picture window on top. And so you are shown, hey, look, this is what we expect the odds to look like, and your bet slip is pre-filled. So you're just pattern matching and saying, cool, looks right, submit, next. We pop open the next one, you pattern match, looks right, submit, finish, and boom, you're done. That's it. So that's the equivalent to throwing the Pokeball that uh, Drew was mentioning. So is it an experience in our app? Yes, it's kind of a not super clear answer, if that makes sense. I guess just to follow up on that user experience for the um, initial 50 customers in the pilot, two questions. One, I know you guys showed the average earnings. Um, curious what that distribution looked like. And then secondary to that, how much of a time commitment was it for, I guess, your average as well as your top performing uh, users? reason I'm asking is just because arbitrage, because of whether other people betting it or other bet booster uh, users betting it, isn't going to last forever. So want to better understand what the user experience looks like if they're sitting at their desk at work or out at dinner, um, and if they miss some of the initial opportunities. And, and, right. and so, question to this is, why was it so high? 5,000 is an extremely high number. Okay. So a lot of questions there. Uh, first one, I'll do the recent one. Why is it 5,000? In New Jersey, uh, we've used that as sort of a sampling ground for a lot of this stuff. There are 20 or 25 sports books operating. They all have sign-up bonuses. And so for sign-up bonuses, you're not as reliant on non-promotional arbitrage. Uh, you can take basically any binary market and create arbitrage given the additional reward there. So, for example, if a sign-up bonus is uh, place a $1,000 bet, and if you lose, you get your money back, formerly called risk-free. There's a lot of different verbiage for it now. Uh, you basically need to do two-step arbitrage, and then that $1,000 promotion becomes $400 in cash. 
It doesn't have to be $400. We're not reliant on one particular set of odds. You know, we can generate not quite infinite, but as, as many pairs of bets as we need to, to have, to get our users between, let's say 380 and $400 in profit for thousand dollars sign up bonus. What was the previous question? Could you repeat that? Just on what the distribution of earnings look like. You mentioned the average, but curious what that looked like. Yes, we had, I believe, three uh, of our um, pilot users crack the 10,000 mark. The way they did that was by doing sign-up bonuses in multiple states. Uh, this is baffling to me, but you can sign up for a, an MGM or a Caesars account in multiple states. So, you know, some people have five different MGM accounts, and they use their $1,000 risk-free bet five times in different states. And so that's how you get up to a, a $20,000 win early on. So I'll and jump in. There's one more in there. Oh, go ahead. I'll jump in and add a little bit more. Um, so we, what we saw was that even after you finish your signup bonuses, um, if you're actively playing the game, we can expect about probably two to three hundred dollars a month um, just from playing the game. Now, I, I know a secondary portion of that question was how much time does this require? With V zero, the the uh, experience is significantly worse. Like. We don't have the picture in picture. We don't pre-fill, right? Like none of that stuff is present in V0. And still you're talking about maybe 10 or 15 minutes a day. Um, it's pretty minimal compared to traditional arbitrage. Um, yeah, we, we did the uh, white glove treatment with a lot of our first 50 people and signing somebody who'd never bet before up for two sports book accounts, making the deposits, and then using the sign-up bonus would take typically an hour on the first day and then about a 30-minute follow-up the second day. And like I mentioned, that person would make about $400. So if you convert that into a dollars per hour type thing that, you know, somebody who has enough capital to get started can then use the app at a rate of $300 an hour. So yeah, we think that's pretty compelling. If I'm a, a user, roughly speaking, what percentage of the value that I derive comes from bonus and promotion focused arbitrage versus other types is it 50 50 80 20 uh just like roughly speaking trying to understand in your view how much of the value stems from the the bonus arbitrage versus let's say just like positive ev or or other type of odds dislocations up front most of it comes from promotions because that's the easiest way to get like big chunks but after you use the app for a while, you've kind of run through all the sign-up bonuses. You have all of your sportsbook accounts. And then at that point, you're much better positioned to do like organic arbitrage and positive EV stuff because you have access to all of the different prices in the market. So that's kind of the long tail. And then like Sahil mentioned on the uh, last slide, at a certain point, somebody is far enough along in our game that maybe they want to take the next step and become a professional better. And at that point, we kick them over to Odds Jam for a CPA. Yeah, and I'll add on there, like, we can't give a percentage because it depends on how long you've been using the app, right? So if you use the app for one month, 100% is going to be from signups. If you use the app for a year, maybe it's 50%, right? Like, it's, it's kind of unclear. Um, that's I why guess the question I, the there. thing I would, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. What I was wondering to that exact point, Sahil, is do you worry that, uh, a customer's willingness to pay any given price per month will decrease once they exit that big money phase and enter the the smaller dollar phase. And how do you think about that in terms of pricing and calculating LTVs and, and things like that? 
Not if it's fun. That's kind of our long-term retention thing, right? If you think of, again, a Pokemon Go, right? People have been playing that for years and years and years with no financial reward. So rather than starting with arbitrage service and then be like, why are we trying to motivate people to do this you know, grindy work type thing? We're coming at it from the other perspective, which is we have a fun game and also you get paid to play the game, right? That's, I think, a, a value prop that has a lot more longevity. And I'll also the add like, that this is... Arbitrage exists so short in time. They, 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 I mean, I, I get the, all the, the bonus sign up stuff. That's pretty, pretty clear because you have infinite mm -hmm. time. But, but doing arbitrage is, is very time sensitive and also a very frustrating act. Like, like you, you, you see an arbitrage, it pops up, you go to book A, you place a bet, you go to book B, arbitrage is gone. You know, and, and, and... time for our demo, it sounds like. All right, a quick interruption. I realize that a live demo doesn't really translate well to an audio podcast, so we're going to skip the demo and fast forward. But if you want to see the demo that Drew's about to give to the investor panel, just click on the show notes and look for the YouTube link where we posted the demo. Now let's pick up where we left off. So our entire arbitrage experience is five or six screens, very few gestures. So that's how we're addressing performance and speed. But this is not arbitrage. This is just this is just bonus money. And, you know, I'll, I'll, let me go back to the arbitrage because, <laughs> like, I, like, what I want to understand is you, you you're mixing very different things together in one app. Bonuses, you know, like all these signup bonuses I get. Then we have arbitrage, mm -hmm. which is a completely different animal. Then you actually talk about plus EV wages, which is another different animal. And I'm very concerned about all these different elements kind of looking the same but they're so vastly different from an engineering background from a user background and, and, and also from a profitability background so, so maybe I have a few words to that sure so within the game we'll identify them as different types of content and introduce people to them one at a time for example if we have 10 levels in our game well level one you unlock sign up bonuses maybe on level four you unlock regular arbitrage and then we have a nice tutorial that explains how it works so the difference in this case would be you're not using promotions anymore for arbitrage. You have to be super quick. Like as soon as you get the phone notifications, go through it. And it's, it's basically a race at that point. You're racing against everybody else who wants to bet that line. And so like, you know, a race is a type of game already, right? So that fits very nicely into our user experience. You don't get and the I'll, arbitrage, I'll, you're not fast enough. And I'll jump in and add two other disparate elements here. Um, one, from a user experience standpoint, Marco, uh, you're right, they are a little different, but they're not as different as you might think at first glance. The sign-up experience compared to arbitrage is roughly the same user experience, right? You go place the bet, you go place the hedge bet, that's it. The experience from the user's perspective is quite similar, even though they're not actually going and signing up for the, the sports book. But beyond that, it's the same experience. For positive EV, it's actually even simpler. Vastly different. One, I have infinite time. I get a nice bed screen in front of me. I can read it. I can populate it. I see the number. I then I can press the button. The other is an arbitrage which exists for 20 seconds, five seconds, or whatever. I have to rush. I have to type in a number. And if I fumble, I made a bad, bad mistake, and I have a massive negative EV wager. So it's not the same experience. Sorry. Fair. What I meant is from the perspective of the app, it's the same screens. But you're right. That's what Drew was talking to is we say, you know, look, if you get an arbitrage notification, it's a race. You need to be as fast as you can be. And, you know, we can build in a way to minimize the losses if you are too slow, right? Like we can, let's say you wager $100. The arbitrage was to make $5. Well, you missed the arbitrage, but you know what? We can make it so you only lose $2, right? So you don't have the 
massive negative EV on your bankroll. That's point number one. Point number two is when it comes to actually showing that to the user, we really benefit from having all those screens in that process so smooth already because it's literally five clicks. So the point of time sensitivity, this is a huge advantage for anybody using our app. Right. We're trying to get it as fast as possible without using bots, basically. Yeah. If I could piggyback on, on that point, that I, I appreciated that that Figma demo. That, that was very helpful. Uh, but as mentioned, that is a it's, it's a Figma demo. Maybe even in the interest of just, I'm sure there's a lot of founders that, that are listening here. How hard is it to do all the things that you need to do to have, you know, a floating tile, picture in picture, fully seamless user experience where bet slips are populated and it's basically just a, a, a few easy clicks as it was on that demo. How hard is it? How much time Barely. will it take to do that? How high, if at all, is the likelihood that perhaps you are not able to produce that experience? Give us and the audience maybe a sense of, uh, and Drew, perhaps you started already. Uh, how hard is it to produce that type of experience? Uh, pretty difficult, especially if you're doing it the way we are, which is Android, iOS, and web all the same way. Uh, don't want to give away any of our proprietary tech secrets, but uh, it requires a pretty specific set of technologies and pretty high-level engineering to pull it off. This is not something we're expecting the like WordPress arbitrage sites to be able to copy. Yeah, and I'll sort of quantify that for you. We've been building for two years and counting. Um, and that, like I said, this is a team of engineers who've been working, you know, at the highest enterprise level for years and years and years together as a team already. So very is, I think, the right answer. <laughs> uh, to the second part of your question as to like, what are the chances of us not being able to do it? We already have a functioning demo. So we're yeah. very confident we can pull it off. Yeah, yeah I'm going to break, Jesse, break my please, early uh... rule about not naming a time, but uh, yeah. let's say we're within a month or two. <laughs> Just yeah. one last ahead, question. Yeah. Um, is this is more on the partnership side? So you mentioned profit and sport trade as well as odd jam specifically. I'd say two questions. How do you view the opportunity for affiliate partnerships with other sports books who are not exchanges? Because I think there is a core difference in the business model there for the type of affiliate relationships they may have. And then also, how do you view odds jam as a competitor, long-term partner? Is it a frenemy relationship where eventually you want to control more of the user experience? Um, would love to hear more about uh, all of that. Yeah. So for the retail operators, it'll just rip off the Band-Aid and say much of what we're doing, I think, will be viewed as bonus abuse. What we want to do is position it so that we're not abusing it. Rather, we're just using it. We're signing people up to use bonuses. And uh, one way we're considering doing that is by not going too heavy on the profitability and instead suggesting bets that people just want to place. Like I mentioned earlier with the sign-up bonuses, with the free bets, stuff like that, you don't have to go full throttle maximizing the profit every time. You can back off and still win, right? And so that's sort of the line we're going to try to walk to get in good graces of some of the retail operators. Second question about Odds Jam. We're hoping it's going to be a productive long-term relationship. It has been so far. What we're really hoping to do is uh, being able to monetize arbitrage and positive EV better than they can so that then they can be one of our resellers and then we can sell their service for a higher price than they can, essentially. That's, that's the pie in the sky goal. And again, I'll that's jump helpful. And just add like there's also the the sports books that are not averse to sharp traffic. 
that I wanted to speak to for a second. Um, you know, I know that there are some support books out there, especially those that are already making their own lines that are, you know, like confident in their lines uh, and care primarily about volume. Those will also be in particular our friends. Yeah. And I think that I guess this goes back to Marco's point earlier. I think that there is a difference between if people are signing up simply to take the bonuses in the most plus EV manner possible versus if people are betting on the platform long term, that that's going to be viewed li likely will be viewed pretty differently by most sports books. Because yes, nobody wants to give out a thousand free dollars and then never have the better come back into the ecosystem. But they are giving out thousand dollar sign up bonuses for a reason. It's part of customer acquisition. And I think that if and I guess this is kind of getting ahead into the um, next part. But while I'm on the topic, I think that this is a form of user engagement. Um, I think that there's a it seems that there's a line to straddle between we're catering to you getting the most out of all the bonuses sports books are offering versus if you use our app, you're more likely to place more bets, which and be logging into all these different sportsbook operator apps more times each day, which is likely to be viewed as a positive overall from an engagement perspective. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I'm going to interject at this point. Uh, I got to cut you off there, Sahil. Um, <laughs> what I'd like to do for the next five to 10 minutes to close out this episode, guys, is for each of our investors, um, if each of you could take two or three minutes and just sort of try and capture the essence of what you've heard and reflect back to Drew and Sawhill, any thoughts you have, any perspective, any constructive feedback that they can take with them as they go forward on the Best Booster journey, uh, that'd be awesome to, to round out today's episode. And I'll leave the floor open for anybody that wants to step up and go first. So in general, I always like these services because you know they, they've been done over and over again, but often or mostly have been done very poorly. You know, in the UK, they, they have a you know, little bit of a heritage. You know, there's actually quite, a, quite a, a lot of them in the UK, and some are actually even prominently featured on Reddit and YouTube, and some do a better job than others. And, and certainly there's, there's a space in the US for somebody to do this well. So that part I like. I generally am one of the biggest fans of gamification out there, so you know, it's always the right approach to, to me. I am a little bit concerned about the different things you guys are trying to do at once from an engineering point of view, from the actual content that you want to provide, you know, like, and, and I feel like there's, there's a lot of things being mixed in and, and a little bit more focus on some of the aspects might be what I would like to see. You know, the, the, the pitch was done very well and, and it's certainly not the first time you've done the pitch, you know, you know, so, 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 so that's, that's on the positive end. I, I think what um, Peter said is very important that you get into a, a good relationship with the other sportsbook eventually and, 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 and have a something communal going instead of something adversarial, which is very, very easy to, 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 to be in the wrong, in the wrong spot, you know, because you kind of need them to operate with you because a lot of the stuff that you will do, will depend on it. That's my, my, my takeaway from, from, from this so far. Uh, I can go next. I, I think that, um, first of all, really appreciate you guys taking the time to walk through the pitch and agree with Marco. I thought it was uh, very well done. Um, I think my biggest question is trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up, whether that's wanting to be a standalone affiliate, being part of a larger affiliate app, being a tout service, being a media engagement app. I think that there's a lot of different routes that 
what you currently have could be the cornerstone of. And I think that over time, you'll likely have to make some of those decisions of where you want to focus. I think part of that is who you want to appeal to and what the right price point is. There's a lot of uh, apps out there that are going to appeal to people who are pure recreational bettors and just want someone to tell them which NFL team they should bet on when they're at the bar with their friends. That's probably a five or $10 a month service. Then there's aspirational professional bettors who want to have a odd screen in front of them and have all the information available at their fingertips. That's probably closer to the price range you guys are already talking about, if not more. And what I would encourage you to think about for both of those is what does the TAM look like? Because you could have a large number of users multiplied by a small number a month or a small number of users multiplied by a large fee every month. And then also what retention looks like over time. I think that I know there's a huge focus of gamification and that's something that um, should naturally lead to high heightened retention. But as people, and you guys will likely see this in the next 250 users, but as people go through their signup bonuses and no longer have the quote unquote, easy money, what does retention look like at day 30 or day 60 once they've taken all the bonuses? I think that's going to be a key metric for both yourselves to track as well as potential uh, future investors. Uh, I think Marco and Peter made all fantastic comments and insights. Um, I, I think I love how thoughtful you guys have been about this. Every question we asked uh, very clearly was something uh, you guys have spent a lot of time thinking about before. I don't think anyone caught you off guard with any questions uh, far from it. And, and thoughtfulness is definitely one of my favorite uh, you know, features of, of, of a great founder. Uh, obviously, the idea of making it really easy for people to pursue true arbitrage opportunities, as Marco had alluded to, is incredibly attractive, uh, even if the margin on some of these is low. And, you know, making $400 on a $3,000 deposit is not a low margin by any means. Uh, but even if it is low, the beauty of arbitrage is that it is truly riskless. Uh, and, and thus, you know, as long as you have the bankroll, it is it is worth pursuing. I think the biggest question that, that I have is how feasible it will be to reach that ideal state of the product that you showed us, which I agree was a really seamless, intuitive, easy to follow, gamified path to effectively doing what at its core is a more complicated arbitrage transaction. Uh, and then where my mind goes is, you know, wondering, okay, if it is not possible, let's say to achieve that level of seamlessness, uh, what does the business become? Is it primarily, you know, an arbitrage tipping service? Can it still succeed as uh, a more of a separate standalone product where you tell me the arbitrage opportunities on website A, and then I go to website B to pursue those opportunities. Uh, and then the other thing I am primarily thinking about is, is what Peter mentioned, which is imagining some sort of drop off in retention or willingness uh, to pay. You know, arguably, if someone is paying consistently the same amount of money for a service that is producing plus EV opportunities when previously it was producing guaranteed multi-hundred dollar cash arbitrage opportunities, then you probably were charging too little at the beginning when they were getting a lot more value from it. And if you charge more up front, then probably they won't be willing to pay as much once that total value amount drops off. And maybe you guys will figure out some sort of dynamic pricing uh, that factors in the number of bonus opportunities that they use per month or 
how long ago it was that they signed up and, and, and whatnot. But uh, to me, I think in addition to the great points that the other panelists made, uh, the biggest question I have is how easy or difficult it will be. And I think by your own admission, it certainly is quite difficult to really achieve the level of seamlessness that I think your underlying gamification thesis relies upon. Uh, it is a bit less gamified as there are more and more steps between consuming the information and pursuing the arbitrage opportunity. Uh, but great idea, uh, great thoughts overall. And uh, certainly, again, to Marco's point, if, if you're really elucidating true arbitrage opportunities for people, uh, that is valuable. And, and there should be a nice way for you guys to capture that value. Excellent. Well, look, Marco, Peter, Lloyd, thanks so much for your comments there. And I think that officially brings us to the finish line, not only for this episode, but for season one of Betting On It. For the audience, I'd love to hear what you thought of this series. And as importantly, would love to know if the second season is something you'd like to hear later this year. So please send your feedback to me via Twitter, LinkedIn, or on our website at bettingstartups.com. But for now, thank you all for joining us on this season with Drew and Sawhill. And we all wish Bets Booster well as it continues on its journey. 